DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. The Seventh Rule Let one who is in desolation consider how the Lord has left him in trial in his natural powers, so that he may resist the various agitations and temptations of the enemy. Since he can resist with the divine help, which always remains with him, though he does not clearly feel it. For the Lord has taken away from him his great fervor, abundant love, and intense grace, leaving him, however, sufficient grace for eternal salvation. Welcome, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. This is a very important rule, isn't it? Very much so, because it's the difference between feeling the desolation. So the last several days I've tried to pray and just don't feel any energy. Or, and I've always loved prayer, but it's been very dry and difficult these last few days. I find myself not too excited about going down to parish, to parish for the Bible study or the activity. Uh, and this, my spiritual energy is just low in these days. It's the difference when this happens between something that just seems like a, a burden without any real meaning to it, and understanding the meaning of this in the Lord's providence in my life. And once we understand that meaning, then a great deal changes. We have a lot more energy to um, to bear with it. Um, let's look at a text from Blessed Angela of Foligno, who was a late 13th century, early 14th century figure of sanctity in the Franciscan tradition. She was born, I think, 25 years after St. Francis died in Foligno, which is near Assisi. We don't know too much about the early period of her life, other than that she was pretty worldly in some ways that just don't fit with our, our, uh, our faith in Christ. And then when she was 37, in circumstances also which we don't know too much, her life dramatically changed. There was a time of trial, there were deaths in her family, and she came very close to the Lord and began a life of great holiness. And on this particular day, in her book of Blessed Angela, she says that during this period I was in a state of great stress, for it seemed to me that I felt nothing of God, and I also had the impression that I was abandoned by Him. Now, we've been hearing that language in these rules, and we can readily identify that for the spiritual desolation that it is. Mm -hmm. And she goes on to say, nor could I even praise God or remain in prayer. And I'm sure we've all felt that in times of spiritual desolation. As I've said so many times, there's no shame in that. This is experience which God permits. Now, that's what's been taken away from Blessed Angela at this point. Any sense, warm, felt sense of God's closeness and love in her prayer, in her effort to serve and love him. All of that's been taken away. But something has not been taken away. And this is what Ignatius is getting at in Rule 7. She goes on to say, It seemed to me that all that was left of God in me was the conviction that I had not suffered as many trials as I deserved, and similarly that I did not want to fall away from his grace by sinning for all the good or evil or sufferings 
that the world has to offer, nor did I want to ascend to any evil. Now there you touch something, a work of God, a, a grace of God at work in Angela that is so deep that the desolation simply can't touch it. Mm-hmm. There's a, a rock-solid adherence to the Lord right in the midst of that time when she is desolate and doesn't feel the warmth of God's love, but she, not for any sin, not for any good, not for anything that could ever happen, any suffering that she could avoid, would she ever consent to any sin or to, or to any evil. And we can sense in that that God's grace is deeply at work in her on a level far deeper than the desolation can ever touch. And that's what Ignatius wants us to be thinking about right when we're in the time of desolation so that the last several days have been hard. I haven't felt God's closeness. I usually spend, oh, it's a Saturday, and I go down to church and spend an hour in prayer. And I'm 10 minutes into that prayer, and it all seems dry. I don't feel God's closeness. Everything in me wants to just close my books, get up and go. And right in that time of spiritual desolation, Ignatius says, here are some things to consider, which leads us back to the text of, of Rule 7. He says, let one who is in desolation consider. So he's inviting us to consciously call to mind a set of thoughts, reflect on them, dwell on them, ponder them, because they will strengthen us in time of desolation. Let one who is in desolation consider how the Lord has left him in trial in his natural powers. Now that's the first thing Ignatius invites us to consider right in the time itself of the desolation, that this is a trial. Now what that does is it takes this otherwise heavy and apparently meaningless experience of burden, and it lifts it up to the level of faith, to the level of God's providence at work in our lives. This is a trial which God is permitting me to undergo for reasons of a loving providence that Ignatius will describe uh, immediately in this rule and then later in Rule 9. Now, when things have no meaning, they're very hard to bear. Mm -hmm. When we know why we're going through the, the effort, the athlete who's training for the marathon and runs those extra miles day after day, he knows why he's doing it. She knows why she's doing it. And so they can do it with much more ease. You remember, Chris, that famous book by um, Dr. Victor, Victor Frankl, mm-hmm. The um, Man's Search for Meaning? Yes. And how he wrote that out of his experience in the concentration camp during, during World War II when he noticed that those who found meaning in the, spirit, in the experience, those who found a reason to go through it, survived. And those who found no meaning in it succumbed. It's something like that on the spiritual level. When I'm 10 minutes into that time of prayer that's so difficult and everything in me wants to give up, if I can call to mind and consider that this is a trial that God is permitting for reasons of a loving providence in my life, everything gets much easier to bear. Paul says in the Acts of the Apostles that it is through many trials that we must enter the kingdom of heaven. This desolation that I'm going through is not meaningless. It's within God's providence in my life. That's the first thing to consider. Now, the next thing Ignatius says is to consider the reason why a God who loves me is allowing me to go through this desolate time of prayer, this difficult and desolate week, various struggles which make it hard to feel God's closeness right now in my life. The reason, Ignatius says, is so that he, the person undergoing the desolation, may resist the various agitations and temptations of the enemy, which is a striking thing. If God allows me from time to time, and he does in all of our lives, to undergo the experience of spiritual desolation, the trial of spiritual desolation, it is so that I may have the opportunity to resist the experience of spiritual desolation, because it is by resisting it that I grow in the ability to resist spiritual desolation. 
We've said a number of times, and I think it's very true, that for most of us, for most of the way on the spiritual journey, the main obstacle is spiritual desolation. The times when we get discouraged, the spiritual life seems dry and difficult and burdensome, and we can let prayer go, we can slip backward in our efforts to reach out in love, grow in service of the church and our vocation. So that something that helps us grow in the ability to resist spiritual desolation is of enormous value in the spiritual life. And Ignatius says, right when you're in the trial of spiritual desolation, consider that this is a trial permitted by God and that the reason for the trial is so that I may have the opportunity to resist in time of spiritual desolation, not to shorten my prayer, to pray exactly as I planned with fidelity to be involved in that activity in the parish, even when I don't feel a lot of energy for it, to continue to reach out and love in new ways in my marriage, my family, my vocation, even when I don't feel the warmth of it, like Angela in the experience that we've just seen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we, met, we meet people in life who seem unshakable. You know that kind of people, you know they've, they've been through so much. It tends to be people in the latter part of life. It can happen earlier, but I think most often happens when there's been a good bit of experience in life. When people have been through a lot, have come through it, and you sense when you meet people like this that whatever happens, nothing is going to shake them. I remember when I was a young priest and uh, making my retreat a few years in a row and out at a large retreat house and I could get into some times of discouragement and some desolation during those retreats and I would knock on the door of it was a father Reed was his name mm-hmm. since gone to the Lord he was in his early 80s had been a professor most of his life and was now in this retreat house in the last years of his activity and I'd hear his voice inviting me in open the door and from the moment I would see him peace would begin to return to my heart. This man exuded peace and serenity and deep-rootedness in the Lord. How do we get there? We get there, Ignatius says, because God allows us to go through the trial of spiritual desolation at various points in our lives so that we may have the opportunity to resist it and by resisting, grow in the ability to resist it. Now, Ignatius says, right when we're in the desolation, this is a thought to consider. This is a trial, and there's a reason for this trial, so that as I struggle to resist with God's grace, through that struggle, I will grow in the ability to resist. How do we become patient? We become patient by being in situations where patience is required and making the effort to be patient. How do we become prayerful? By praying day after day with all the ups and downs of prayer, something grows. How do we grow in the ability to love our neighbor when it's difficult? By being in situations that require that effort. And as we do it time and again, an ability and ease in this begins to grow. How do we grow in the ability to resist and overcome the main obstacle in the spiritual life for most of us? Spiritual desolation by being permitted by God to undergo that experience so that we may resist it and by resisting grow in the ability to resist it. Now, there's yet a final piece in this rule, in this set of thoughts, related thoughts, that Ignatius invites us to consider in the time itself of the spiritual desolation. Consider that this is a trial. Ten minutes into that difficult hour of prayer that Saturday morning, or as I'm driving home from work and my heart is heavy and I normally lift my heart to prayer, in prayer to the Lord, but nothing in me feels drawn to it this day. There's there's a burden and an anxiety and a heaviness in my heart. Right in that time, Ignatius says, let me consider that this is a trial. This has meaning within God's providence in my life. 
You know what this says? It says something very important. There are no empty times in the spiritual life. There is no time, no matter how desolate, which is outside of the loving providence of God. When God is not working something and offering me something through allowing me, in this case, to go through the trial. So I consider that this is a trial. The reason is so that I may resist. And then one of the most hope-filled statements in these rules follows. Ignatius says, let him consider that he, that he can resist, since he can resist the desolation with the divine help which always remains with him, even though he does not clearly feel it. For the Lord has taken away from him his great fervor, abundant love, and intense grace. That is the spiritual consolation. Something has been taken away, the warmth of consolation, the delight of feeling God's joy in my heart. But something else has not been taken away. Something else is never taken away. Something else always remains. And that is what Ignatius calls the divine help or, as he says in the final words of the rule, sufficient grace for eternal salvation. Sufficient grace to get safely through this desolation and stay on track solidly toward salvation in my life. Now, there is what I sometimes call the litany of spiritual desolation, which runs like this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, and so on. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes into this hour of prayer, it's so difficult, so dry. I can't do this. I can't stay here for an hour. I can't, I can't, I can't get down to the parish on Wednesday night for another Bible study or for another session of working with this group in the parish. I can't continue to work, live with these people. It's just too difficult. It's too hard. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And Ignatius says, right in the time when the desolation is saying to us, I can't, I can't, let us consider that we can We can remain solidly and faithfully on track and consider the reason for that because even though we don't feel it since the consolation has been taken away, we know with the certitude of faith that God always leaves us divine help, always leaves us sufficient grace, all that we need to get safely through the desolation. Just knowing that gives us a lot more courage to finish out the hour, to get down to the parish, to keep reaching out in love in my marriage and family in the ways that the Lord is calling me to do. Now, this is one of those points where the distinction between the spiritual and non-spiritual levels matters because it's quite conceivable that there could be situations which go beyond my energies on the non-spiritual level. For example, if, if I've been staying up late night after night after night for a project or for whatever reason, there will come a time eventually when my body will say to me, I can't, and the body may well be right. And in that case, then I need healthy remedies on the non-spiritual level, or very simply, I need to let my uh, my body rest in the way that it needs, and then the problems will lighten. Now, if that's true on the non-spiritual level, that there can be situations that go beyond our physical and emotional energies, in which case we need to restore those energies wisely. That is never true on the spiritual level when we're dealing with spiritual desolation. So when I'm 10 minutes into that hour of prayer and everything in me is saying, I can't, I can't, it has nothing to do with the necessary physical and emotional and energy, which is all there, but it's the heaviness itself of the desolation. The prayer is dry and difficult. And so something within me says, I can't do this. Right then, Ignatius says, let us call to mind and consider that we can because the divine help, even though we don't feel it, is always sufficiently with us for us to stay solidly on course in the time of the desolation. That brings us back to the experience of Blessed Angela, because that's what you see in her experience. The 
consolation has been taken away. She feels nothing of God. She even feels abandoned by God. Uh, she can't pray. She can't feel the Lord's presence. She's unable to praise God in the darkness of the desolation. And this goes on for some time. However, as we said earlier, grace is at work on her, in her on a level that spiritual desolation, the enemy's uh, traps, can never ever touch. And she rooted deeply and solidly in that sufficient grace, that divine help, she knows that there is nothing, nothing she could ever acquire, no suffering she could ever avoid that would ever lead her to consent to anything evil that God does not want. There you touch a person who is so conscious and so rooted of God's deep grace and work in her that she has courage to get safely through this time of desolation, which, as she tells us, uh, goes on for quite some time and eventually passes as desolation always will. Now, <clears throat> let's ask a question as we look back over the whole of this rule. Mm-hmm. What if, when I am in the third day of this heavy time when I don't feel any energy for spiritual things, and I hardly even want to pray this evening in the way I normally do, or I'm down at church before the Blessed Sacrament for the holy hour that I make when I can on Saturdays, and so we've been saying 10 minutes into it, it just feels dry and difficult. When I'm in a time of spiritual desolation, what if I stop to consider this has meaning? This is within God's providence. This is a trial that God is permitting because God wants, in inviting me to resist this trial, to give me certain kinds of growth that, normally speaking, only come through being in the trial of spiritual desolation and going through it, resisting it. So I call to mind that this has meaning on the level of faith. Related to that, I call to mind that the meaning of this trial is that God wants to give me, by being in spiritual desolation, the opportunity to resist the spiritual desolation and so grow in that rooted ability which leads to a solid, unshakable rootedness in the Lord as I live my spiritual life, which leads to the ability to resist spiritual desolation when it comes. And then I consider, too, that even though I feel so spiritually weak and dry and empty in this time of spiritual desolation, I know with certitude that I can get safely through this desolation because God may have taken away the spiritual consolation now, but he has not taken away his grace, the deep, solid grace in me that allows me, gives me all the strength that I need to get safely through this trial of spiritual desolation. What's going to happen if I call those thoughts to mind? Or as Ignatius says, let one who is in desolation consider these thoughts right when I'm in the desolation itself. And I think you can sense, we can sense just how much strength will come in to our effort to resist the spiritual desolation and how much encouragement and hope we're going to find through that. That's the gift that Ignatius gives us in the seventh rule, and that's the tool that he offers in this rule toward resisting spiritual desolation. Father, doesn't it come down to basic trust? It does. It does come down to that very much. And I think what Ignatius does to help us toward that trust, because he's always very concrete about this, is to point out for us a set of specific thoughts which will help us to trust. And trust is the right word for it, I think, Chris, because basically what what the thoughts that we are to consider as he lays them out for us in this seventh rule are all thoughts which tell us that God is faithful, God is with us, that even though we don't feel it, God has not abandoned us, his help is with us. And as we get rooted in those specific truths of faith right now in the time of desolation itself, that opens the door to trust. I think that's exactly what it's about. Mm. Also, for someone who is in that moment of desolation, and this would be maybe at a point of rock bottom, wouldn't you say, Father Gallagher? I mean, you're just at the point where you're just, where are you, God? I mean, I just, 
I can't, I can't, uh, I'm not sure anymore. It's almost like being lost in a wood. Yes, it can be pretty difficult and pretty dark sometimes, can't it? Mm-hmm. I didn't uh, quote this earlier from Blessed Angel, but I'll do it now. She, she goes on to say, I was in this intense and terrible state of torment for more than four weeks. That's pretty um, strong language, isn't it? Yeah. Intense and terrible state of torment. And it goes on for some time. Desolation, yes, can seem, we, we feel like we're at our end, you know, that we just can't do it anymore, that our energy is exhausted, that it's too difficult. And it's precisely then that Ignatius invites us to call these thoughts to mind. And also, Father, not that everyone will have that that deep, what they might term torment, but there is that, can I call it suffering, that people will go through even on the basis of a decision. I'm going to make a decision. I've prayed this through. I've In my discernment, I, I believe I made the right choice. And then all of a sudden, circumstances will come up, and it seems as though I made the wrong decision. I'm in confusion. There, where are you, God? I don't have the the uh, quote unquote peace that I thought I had in all this. I mean that in those moments too. That's where uh, we experience a kind of torment and in suffering, in desolation. Yes, I think in that circumstance. It would be very helpful to call to mind Rule 5, which says in time of spiritual desolation, never make any change to a spiritual plan or proposal which was in place before the desolation began, and that will help at such times. Spiritual desolation, as we also said earlier, varies in intensity and duration. Sometimes the, the desolation will just be a little bit of grayness. Sometimes, as in Angela's case, uh, it can be very intense. It may just be a short few moments. It may be a part of a day. Or in Angela's case, you can see that it goes on a bit longer. So spiritual desolations will vary in their intensity and in their duration. But regardless, whenever we can look within and say, there's some spiritual desolation going on here. There's some heaviness in my spiritual life. Then Rule 7 applies, and it will always help us regardless of the intensity or duration of the spiritual desolation. It will always be of service in helping us. It'll lighten the desolation and give us, as you said so well earlier, trust, hope, courage, confidence to go forward. It's really not a step-by-step rule, as I think you really helped us to understand at the beginning of this process, is that they actually especially the ones in the middle, all kind of complement one another and they walk hand in hand, don't they? They all do. It's like um, having a set of tools for a task and each tool offers its own contribution, but they're all working toward the same purpose and each tool strengthens and adds something to the, um, the capacity given by the other tool. Even in this rule itself, I think that holds true as well. There's a set of thoughts. I, I suppose I'd call them a cluster of thoughts. Uh, each strengthens the other. Each fills out the other. So that each piece of this within the rule, and then as we've been saying, uh, among the rules, rule 5 strengthens rule 6, rule 6 strengthens rule 7, rule 7 strengthens rule 6. Each one adds its own contribution, and they mutually reinforce each other. So that when, once we've gone through them all, and we have this full set of tools, we are really very well equipped to respond to spiritual desolation, which is, I think, probably the main reason why people love these rules so much, because they really do give a set of very effective tools for that purpose. Would it be an appropriate time, Father Gallagher, to mention, uh, maybe once again, what would be 
the appropriate understanding of what consolation is, just so that when we talk about being in desolation, we're not confusing certain emotional feelings we might be having. I mean, what are the appropriate consolations? If desolation means a heaviness of heart in our spiritual life, in our relationship with God, in our life of faith, then consolation means an uplift of heart in our spiritual life, in our relationship with God. So let's take the same person 10 minutes into that holy hour on the Saturday morning. The person may be experiencing, as we've said, a sense of feeling far from God, not feeling any joy. There's a heaviness of heart, and it's a burdensome, and and it's a struggle just to be there. Or the person could be there with delight in his or her heart, with a warm sense of God's closeness, with a deep sense, living sense of the truth of the real presence of the Lord Jesus there before me who loves me and pours out grace and blessing upon me and strengthens me. Those are the two experiences. Uplift of heart in my relationship with God on the spiritual level, which is spiritual consolation, and heaviness of heart on the spiritual level in my relationship with God. And clearly, as we've been saying, spiritual consolation is the, in, in these, these rules, is the work of God, as Ignatius says, of the Good Spirit, and we drink it in, we accept it, we be strengthened and, and guided by it as God intends. And the call then is to reject the spiritual desolation, and that's what Ignatius is equipping us to do. It, it reminds me of the adage that God will never give you anything you can't handle. So even though he does not give us desolation, from what I hear you saying, he will allow it because through our own strengthening of our confidence, our trust and belief that he is still there, that it can be overcome and we can we can grow in that relationship. Yes, God never gives spiritual desolation. Spiritual desolation is always a work of the enemy. And God permits the enemy at times to visit us with that experience of spiritual desolation for reasons that we're beginning to see already in the rules. We've seen one here in Rule 7, so that by being in the experience of spiritual desolation, we have the opportunity to resist it and grow in resisting it. Ignatius will describe other reasons why a God who loves us allows us at times to go through the experience of spiritual desolation. We'll see those when we get to Rule 9. And I want to say again, as we've said before, and I'll never tire of repeating, that there is no shame in experiencing spiritual desolation. It's so important that we say that. It is simply spiritual experience which God permits us to undergo from time to time for reasons of a love that Ignatius describes in these rules. What matters so much is what what we've called the big three, to be discerning, to be aware of what's going on, to understand it, be able to name it for the uh, spiritual desolation that it is, and then to know wisely, in this case, how how to take spiritual action, how to reject it. And that spiritual desolation of itself, since it's a work of the enemy, as, for example, temptation, is obviously there's nothing good about it in itself. And, of course, if we don't resist it, it will harm us as the enemy uh, hopes and desires. However, God permits us to experience spiritual desolation and temptations at times because, as you're suggesting, Chris, he wants to give us a gift when we resist it, when we work to overcome it with hope, with the tools, with spiritual wisdom, then something beautiful comes into our life, not because of the desolation itself, but because God has permitted us to undergo it and we have accepted the trial. We have done our best to resist it. When that's happening, then yes, then the gift that God wants to give us does come into our lives. And there is a beautiful gift of growth that comes through that. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. Very welcome. You've been listening to The Discernment of Spirits, 
Setting the Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our mission. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher.